Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Stephen, you're back in London. How are you doing? I'm back in London. I'm freezing cold. <laughs> I wish I was back in Tel Aviv, Ed. I'm, but I'm fine. All good. How are you? I'm doing all right, but um, um, give us the update on GeoMob Tel Aviv. I'm curious to hear how it went. How was the first event out there? Oh, it was fantastic. It was um, it was so exciting because I'd been working, sort of chatting with the guys for nearly six months, getting ready to do this first year mob from an idea to actually it happening. And then uh, we actually get to the evening and people start arriving. And it was very different to our London year mobs because they'd rented the back room of a bar on the main drag in Tel Aviv, downtown Tel Aviv. Um, okay. And so you've got a bar in the middle and two screens up at the end and people all the way around the bar and clustered in front of the screen. So it was it was beer and talks rather than talks followed by beer. beer, which was different and it was fine. And um, they had five speakers, which was quite a lot, but they were... They were worried that they might get dropouts just before the event, so they organized sure. five speakers, and of course everybody turned up. And I think there were a, a hundred people there nearly, so it was a big event. Holy cow! Yeah, that's and it great. It was really crowded, you know, and it was buzzing, and uh, it was great. And the speakers, uh, I mean, there's so much going on out there. It's really, you know, um, I mean, I'm not going to list all the five speakers, but. Um, I've got to tell you about two of them who were really amazing. Um, oh, yeah? Okay. So there's a guy whose talk was called How Long Will Till the Food Arrives? Um, how Estimated Times of Arrival Are Calculated and Why They're Mostly Wrong. And this is from a company that just does estimated times of arrivals for all the delivery services. Um, and it's really... I mean, it was fascinating, right? Oh, I'm sure there must be so many uh, edge cases and weird conditions and... Absolutely, but it's also... I mean, without going into all of it, um, the key thing is, if you go online to book a meal or something and they tell you it's going to be 20 minutes or 30 minutes, you probably don't buy it. You um, You go and look elsewhere... Oh, I see. So, so the, so the, so there's a, they have a big incentive to show you a low time. So, exactly. But if you show a low time and then you're later than the time that you've shown, the people get pissed off. um, Right. And they won't come back again. So, and they had all these stats about, you know, the optimum between teasing the client to buy, but not being too late. It was fascinating and how they calculate it and everything. So, that was interesting. There was also a guy from one of the universities, um, and he was talking about geolocating tweets without GPS data. Okay, how's he do that? From the the content of the text, or correct? Or yeah, yeah. And well, they derive a lot of metadata from the actual content in the tweets. Um, and is he able to do that well? Because, like, I could imagine. I mean, how there must be so many. You know, if I tweet, oh, wow, I, I, I really miss London, 
That doesn't mean I'm in London, obviously, you know? No, but um, it's exactly. And sometimes also you want to know where they are, and sometimes you want to know what they're talking about. Right. You know, and, you know, like we all know, you know, that if you just look at the GPSs on that are available from Twitter, all they give you is a map of um, where people, you know, where there are lots of people. Right, yeah, yeah. It's um... yeah, I mean, or you get a map of the demographic, which are the Twitter user or whatever. But um, and sometimes you you are interested in what people are talking about rather than where they are. It's it's so hard. Yeah. I, I I can't even imagine that. I mean, actually, on a related note, just yesterday I was got emailed by a customer. You know, one of the big challenges that we face at OpenKit is that the the software developers that we're working with really have no geo background at all. And in some cases, actually very limited uh, uh, engineering background, or maybe they're new or whatever. So this guy, I guess what the, this took like, you know, several emails to try to figure out. This guy's like, your API is wrong. And I'm like, okay, can you provide an example? And he's like, you know, look at these coordinates. You're returning the center of the United States. So I look at the coordinates and of course they are actually the coordinates for the center of the United States. And I'm like, well, those are the correct, you know, if if that input yields this output, why? He's like, oh, but then why are those? I didn't mean to send you those coordinates. What I want to know is where the user is. And he's in India. I'm like, okay, well, how did you get the coordinates? And he's like, well, we do, um, you know, IP lookup. And of course, the user was using a VPN <laughs> showing him as being in United States. Yeah. And... You know, but this took you know several emails back and forth with this engineer to try to explain, you know, actually, you know, the input that you're sending us, we are correctly geocoding is just it's not the input you expected, and it's um, it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah. So it is not to, you know we say that spatial isn't special, but <laughs> yeah, maybe it is. So what's happening with Open Cage? Oh, uh, what have we been up to? Actually, some successes, some some let's say I don't want to say failures, but let's say not yet successes. Okay. Um. So uh, on the success side, we actually just uh, closed a very large um, enterprise customer. Who so maybe I'll be able to talk about that a bit more in a couple months or so. But it's uh, that's looking very promising. Um. On the on the not yet successes front. You know, we're struggling with our um, GeoSearch project that we've been working on. Um, and I think it's good we talk about it because we should share that, you know, it's not all. There are sometimes bumps in the road. Uh, the fundamental issue here, so basically a, a quick recap for those who don't know, it's a kind of a search um, auto-suggest, a places auto-suggest so that, you know, you go to a search form and you need to type location and, and we start auto-suggesting the locations. Uh, and we've been asked about this quite a bit in the last years, but particularly more so in the last couple, you know, in the last year and the last couple months, because one of the main offerings on the market is from a company called Algolia, and they have a thing called Algolia Places. And, and about a year ago, they announced they're going to close down Algolia Places. And so some people use Algolia Places, and they're not looking for an alternative. And that was kind of what tempted us to, to launch this. Uh, and Algolia Places is based on OpenStreetMap data, so the input data. And Algolia, for those who don't know, is a um, 
a very well-regarded kind of search technology. And the, basically they let you kind of uh, have a search engine on your site. Say you have a lot of, you're an e-commerce service and you want to have a product search or things like that. So they're kind of experts at search. Um, what we're seeing is the problem is consumers really, I mean, full credit to our friends at Google because they have set <laughs> the bar very, very high in terms of what consumers expect. Uh, and so consumers, first of all, expect to be able to put anything into the search box uh, and and that the... Um, you know, as, as people do on Google Maps, and and that that the search should make sense of it. And um, so this includes, of course, full addresses, um, searching in different languages, but also things like just the names of a restaurant and things like that. Um, and you know, there are a couple of pieces to that. So one of it is interpreting and understanding the text, and the other is just absolutely actually having the database that right. uh, of, of places. And it, we're using OpenStreetMap. And it, we just don't have a lot of the places, particularly things like restaurants and things like that. Um, or also um, all the addresses, house addresses. And, you know, when we do geocoding, you can kind of cheat a little bit. So, like, if someone searches, let's say they search for house 16 on a street, and maybe maybe we don't have house 16, but we have house 10 and we have house 20, you know, we can guess roughly where house 16 would be, right? right? And it works out, it works out pretty correctly. But if someone's typing in an auto suggest, people, you know, expect to see it. You know, we don't know that there is a house 16. So you can't really show it. Um, then you also get into issues like, for you know, in the UK, people want all the postcodes and you get the, the, the legalities of do we have the postcode, you know, are there, is that open data or not? All of these kinds of things. So the end result is that the product that we have launched with, we we kind of try to avoid all those issues, and we just kind of have a, a, a kind of a places search. So you know, cities, villages, neighborhoods, um, uh, and our thinking was, you know, fully realizing that that doesn't address all the needs of the market. But our thinking was, this, there's enough of, you know, there is a segment of the market that only needs these pieces, but you know, I continue to believe there there is that segment, and we have had um, some customers who who want that, but we haven't yet succeeded in getting in front of enough of these people to justify the effort that we put in to create this product. So there's still the ways to go there. So um, yeah, you know what the answer is, which is what the answer is. You should have been listening to Professor Feldman. Oh, right. Yes, please, please. I was talking to the Edinburgh Earth Observation Group on Friday night. I was virtually in Edinburgh. I wasn't actually there. Um, and uh, they asked me to give a talk about um, how to build a successful geospatial business. Right. Um, so the first thing I said to these guys was, um, there's nothing special about geospatial. It's how to build a successful business. But putting that to one side, um, I had I decided to talk about, you know, with a long experience of getting things wrong and making mistakes, which I've had, you know. I mean, I've certainly made more mistakes than, um, than the successes. Um, I talked about the three things that go wrong in businesses, 
in my experience. And then I talked about the three keys to success, which are the opposite of, of not doing the three things that go wrong. Um, and two of them are relevant to, to the Geosearch story. All right. Give, it, so, give us this list. I'm, I'm, so I'm ready to be enlightened. One of our listeners um, can get a free little bit of uh, business consultancy here online. Um, so the first thing is knowing your customers. Yep. And I guess the thing is, what you're saying is you sort of knew the customers, right? But you didn't really know them. And, you know, you're looking at this company, Algolia, who are closing down their places search. And, I mean, first thing for me is if they're closing down their places search based on OpenStreetMap, why are they doing that? This is a search specialist. So, you know, that's a warning sign. But Agree, it's a warning sign. But there could be legitimate reasons. In that. Their, their core business is just demanding yeah. their full attention. Yeah. So, But I think the real thing is, you know, you need to talk to lots of customers and you need to understand what their problem is and what they try, you know, and how you can solve so that you can talk to them about how you can solve it. And um, we've had this conversation before, you know, one of the challenges with running a SaaS business online is that it's very difficult to know your customers. Um, well, particularly if they're software developers, I yeah. have to say they, they, they absolutely do not want to have a phone call with me or, um, you know, that, that it's a real challenge. Um, also, language barrier. We have a very, very international um, customer group, and we have many. There are many software developers out there who are very comfortable reading documentation in English, for example, mm -hmm. but, you know, they don't want to have a phone call in English. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not always simple. It's not as, it's not, it's not always, it's not as simple as just say, oh, you should just ask them because you know, it, it, people don't answer emails, don't don't want to be asked, can't be bothered. So, yeah. So, you know, I think that's that's one thing to, that you need to look at. And the other, the second thing is finding product market fit. You know, this magical moment when you've got what the market wants, and it doesn't have to be the whole market. It can be a tiny segment of the market. You know, and there very possibly is product market fit for a geosearch product based on OpenStreetMap where in areas where the limitations aren't too great. You know, so, you know, you talked about um, OpenStreetMap. Actually, OpenStreetMap in the UK, streetwise, is almost 100%, if not 100%, there. It's, it, it's probably, yes, there are some countries where it's very good. Yeah. So... You know, it's focusing on those countries, you know. I mean, sure. you know, if you want every street in India, you're screwed. You know, yes. I don't know that Google's got every street in India. I mean... Almost certainly they don't, but... Because you know, um... they're changing and evolving, you know. I mean, and that goes for a lot of the world where there's rapid construction, you know, maybe there's not the slow planning process which enables you to detect change as quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Honing in on the country, the regions, the geographies, and also the services. You know, if you want place names, um, you're probably fine if you need to search for place names, but not for um, not for restaurants and not things for like restaurants, that. Yeah, 
It, it's it's a tough dynamic because it, to a degree it's a little bit winner take all in that you know if someone starts a new restaurant one of the first things they do in the modern age is make sure that they're on Google Maps you know yeah. and 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 that frankly is probably the case in London just as it is the case in in Bangalore or you know even in rural places or whatever um, and as a result. Google has the best database and as a result, then they have the best search and as mm-hmm. you know, so, um, and you know, there, of course there's the whole industry of, of people who actually even help businesses, yeah. you know, publish this and, and, uh, make sure that it is up to date, has a good picture and all these kinds of things. And, and OpenStreetMap doesn't yet have that dynamic. Um, and so it's, it's very, it's challenging it's, it's challenging. So, um, I mean, you know, I, uh, so your point is obviously completely correct and, and valid. Um, wait, so I believe that was only two, two of the three points. What's, what's your, so what well, do we have? The third point is knowing your numbers and, um, knowing your numbers is all sorts of things, but it's, it's how many customers are out there? How many of them will buy from me? What price will they buy from me at? How much will it cost me to deliver this service? Um, and it's sort of having a sense of those numbers going into it, you know, because I guess at this moment you're sitting there <clears throat> and you put a load of engineering time into developing a product, which has a cost. Um, and I wonder whether you actually did the calculations up front of how many customers do we need to sell to to recover our costs? Well, we did, actually. And and honestly, for a long time, this project was always kind of on a, on a knife edge of like, should we do it? Should we not do it? Should we do it? Should we not do it? I guess the one good thing about this is we... we we're able to subsidize this project yeah. via via our geocoding service. So it's not that we need it to be a success by day X, uh, you know, and now, now we have it and it can hopefully slowly and steadily grow. Um, uh, so that being said, of course, there's always an ongoing maintenance cost and, um, you know, so we'll have to see, we'll have to, uh, but but yes, it's a useful lesson for for any future products. And and um, it, will, will your will your talk be there? There will be a video of your talk. Can we um, get that in the show apparently notes? Apparently, there will be. And by the time this episode comes out, hopefully, I'll have the link to the recording so people can sit and listen to me for twenty minutes talking about how to build a successful business. Um, nice slides as well. Very nice, very nice. Um, how how was it received? Any good questions from the uh, yeah, from the some good attendees? Questions, some good questions. Lots of positive feedback. Um, I'm trying to think of um, what. Oh yeah, there was one really good question. I can't remember who who asked it now, but somebody said, "What makes um, what makes a geospatial business?" Okay. And I said, there's no such thing as a geospatial business. There are businesses that use geospatial to solve problems Mm. um, and talked about that because I think that is a thing. You know, um, there's not really, in itself, geospatial isn't 
isn't a product. It's a solution to a pro it's a solution to all sorts of problems. And you build a business by solving other people's problems, not by creating more technology. Well, this is, of course, the, the age-old issue in tech in general, and I guess yeah. geospatial is a subset of that. People yeah. get enamored with the technology rather than with serving the customer or solving solving the customer's problems. So, um, so just okay. on, on OpenStreetMap, um, I don't know whether you saw, but um, they've announced they've hired their first permanent full-time technical... Yes, yes, Grant. I actually, yeah, I, I'm yeah. hoping to get him here on the um, on the podcast. On the podcast, he's I, I obviously he's he lives in London or and and has been to many geomobs and has spoken to geomob. Uh, good for him. Congrats yeah. to him. And and also um, speaking now as as a member of the OpenStreetMap Foundation and someone whose company is a is a corporate member. I think it's I think it's wonderful and a good use of funds and and frankly, mind boggling that. OpenStreetMap has been run just by volunteers until now. Yeah, so absolutely mind-boggling, you know. And I, I sort of tweeted that when I saw the announcement because, you know, it's it's what 16, 17 years now. OpenStreetMap, two thousand. Uh, uh, wait a second. Two thousand four. It started. Eighteen so, years. Eighteen years. Yeah, yeah. Eighteen yeah. years of OpenStreetMap, and this is the first full-time technical person that they've employed yeah it's amazing <laughs> yeah i mean it's like <laughs> this well especially when you compare it with let's say comparable projects like wikipedia or things like that which have whole you know huge yeah. organizations behind them so yeah yeah uh phenomenal yeah anyway so congrats to him congrats congratulations to him. to him uh respect to the whole open street map community for what they've achieved to get to this point, you know, um, seems long overdue to me, but, um, actually, um, I just, just thinking as we head into the summer, are you, are you, you know, this year, the OpenStreetMap conference and, uh, Phosphor G are going to be kind of right next to each other. Right. Be... Are you, are you going to Phosphor G? I'm about 95 percent yeah um all right okay planning... well you also go to the state of the map or no or i don't know. know um what i'm thinking of doing is it's in florence this year um, yeah which is a big a big draw you know because that's a beautiful city um lots of stuff to do um, yeah but florence in august with all the tourists oof, oof. yeah i know but um I think Donna and I are, I mean, we're talking about it doing, um, spending sort of six or seven days there. Um, I'll do the conference for three or four days um, and we'll do a bit of gallery visiting and eat a lot of pasta and uh, drink a lot of Italian wine and stuff as well. So um, very nice. I very think, nice. Uh, yeah, whether I get to, all of the conference, all of both conferences, I don't know. But the plan is to spend a week in Florence at the end of August and rock up to certainly Phosphor G and maybe a bit of state of the map. Very good. That's Are you cool. going to come? I, no, unfortunately, I'm not going to make it. I, I'm, I'm oh, not, yeah. It's not going to work out logistically. Well, with my kids, you know, they're out of school. So it, it, yeah, to be honest, it, it's much easier for me to go to a conference during the school year. Yeah. 
than it is in in the vacation period. Um, but uh, we'll have to see because maybe um, Mark Tobias, my my co-founder, might be representing us there at those. I'm I'm not sure he hasn't finalized his summer plans yet. Um, but Stephen, we actually have a few geomobs coming up. We do. But well, we before do. that, we have on the the 15th of June, we're going to try to have a geomob in London. Um, so very excited about that because Daniel from Mapscaping has already, uh, the Mapscaping podcast has already right. committed as the first speaker, um, which I think will be very interesting. I, I also have another person who's volunteered. He's just uh, trying, needs to confirm the date. <coughs> And I have a couple more leads on that one. So I, I have um, every belief that we're going to have a great London Geomob. Uh, and then um, just about a week later on the 21st, we're going to have another Barcelona Geomob as well, where we also have two speakers already committed, um, including one of them being uh, someone from the country Le team, right. which, um, which I think will be very interesting. Uh, I've been I've been continuing to play every uh, every day. So I've noticed. I must admit, I've lost um, I've lost impetus on country law, on wordle, on wordle. Um, I've just stopped with all of them, and I guess uh, it's just. I like it. You keep you know you keep learning, uh, and actually sometimes obviously some especially with. Um, uh, world where it's the map obviously some of them are very easy some of the countries are very recognizable but then there are some that are really like hey like oh my god where's that and uh i you know it takes five minutes so mm. i like doing it yeah. so it's a good way to learn so i'm not going to be at geomob in london because i'll be in tel aviv i'm not sure there was some talk about there being a, another geomob in tel aviv in june but i'm not sure whether right, that's really. happening there's definitely going to be one um in the autumn, maybe, or in the... At the end of October, beginning of November, and we've okay. already, already got one big speaker lined up. Um, I'm not going to steal their thunder by saying who, but we've got one good, great speaker lined up for that. Um, Fantastic. So, uh, so maybe, well, you'll, maybe you'll have to come to Tel Aviv for Geomob. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Um, uh, and actually, then people can, you know, not to... Not to uh, let everyone peek too much behind the curtain, but yes, of course, the real impetus for Geomob is just giving an excuse to travel. So we need <laughs> we need more we need more cities, and yeah. then I'm happy to come give a talk and and or or just hang out or whatever and, and have some beers. So yeah, Geomob Bangkok. I, I would go anyway. Well, you know, one time we did one many many years ago. Tw- I think 2014 or so. We did one in Bangalore. Yeah, you did. I know. Gary, I was... Gail, and I were there, and and we. Um, several people from the local scene. It was a fun event. It was yeah. a very fun event. I was jealous because I didn't get to go to that. But actually, you know what, Stephen? This is a good point because, uh, you know, we have the events in Barcelona and I know many of our listeners are in the UK or whatever, but if you're looking for an excuse to, for a holiday, I, you know, I'm not saying you should maybe come come to Barcelona just for Geomob, but like if you're going to come anyway, you know, it, it yeah. makes sense to time your trip so that you can also participate in Geoma because then you have a fun evening and people to hang out with and some yeah. interesting talks and, and, uh, you know, why not? Why Absolutely. not? Or likewise, people who want to go to London. Yeah. So. You get to meet new people that you wouldn't get to meet otherwise. Um, exactly. So. Lots of fun. Um, yeah. So, 
so we've got certainly one GM of Tel Aviv coming up, um, possibly a second one. Um, it's going to be a, a good year. And we've also got lots of great stuff coming up on the podcast. Um, we do, well, I don't want to tease too much, but we do have one very big speaker, uh, one very big interview guest coming up. So let's see. Yeah. Um, but we always need more volunteers. So yeah. please, anyone out there who has an interesting project or, or you, uh, lessons learned from a failed project or um, just a topic you have you want to chat about, please volunteer over yeah. on the website. We have a, um, you know, fill out the form, uh, whether it's speaking at an event or, or whether it's being on the podcast, we need yeah. volunteers. So please get in touch. Okay. So and where are you on? You're, you're just about to get on a plane, Ed, aren't you? I'm going to be in Munich this, uh, for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, unrelated to, um, to geo stuff, but um, I'm going to go actually to a conference in Amsterdam in about a month that I'm really looking forward to, which is the micro mobility conference. Um, and so that I think I'm actually quite hopeful to find several potential GeoMob speakers and uh, and our podcast guests there because I think this is a really fascinating topic of like. Of course, you have all these micro-mobility devices moving around, but then that then creates new demand for location-based services. And I think there's um, it's a very dynamic space where a lot is happening. Um, and uh, it would be good to have someone on to, to talk about that and, and share some of the innovation that we're seeing there. Um, so, And I'm going to the geo-business event um, in London. All right. In in May, um, that's on before I go go away again. Um, so I'm going to spend a day there. I'm not going to do the whole conference, but I'm going to spend a day there, having a look around, meeting up with people. Um, that's grown into quite a big event now. Um, Who what, are the main attendees? Is this mainly government people or local government people? Or? I'm not sure because it's two or three years since I was All last right. there. Uh, when I was last there. It was very, it was quite surveyor-centric. Okay. There were a lot of companies uh, showing surveying technology, and it was a lot about that sort of physical geography side and as well as the sort of the traditional GIS vendors. It was an interesting mix of people because it was much broader than the old-fashioned GIS conferences. Um it seems to have survived and grown, and um, I don't know, there's about 200 speakers talking at this conference over two, three wow. days, so it's quite a big event with lots of streams. Uh, I thought I'd go along, have a look. Um, well, see if you can get anyone interesting for the podcast. Anyone, I'll see if any... I can get anybody interesting for the podcast, of course. Um, I was wondering whether I could do sort of interviews in the field but i suspect that the technology to do that is a bit beyond me and my iphone um i leave it in your capable hands let's <laughs> say uh, listen, listen so. you never thought we could do live video uh yes uh, to my knowledge we still haven't done live video uh, well, yeah no, we, we haven't have... we haven't broadcast it live i no, mean we, we broadcast we... it live. Um, yeah but we did. Ed Parsons did come along and record the whole thing, and it worked very well. Um, yes. And, uh, so fair enough. Fair who enough. Who knows? Maybe I can 
I can work out between now and then how to go out with an iPhone and do recordings. So we'll see. Um, I, I look forward to your updates from the field, Steve. Okay, so you go to micro-mobility, I'll go to geobusiness, um, and uh, we'll report back soon. I will see you then. Take, Take it easy, Stephen. Bye. Have a good trip. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any um, suggestions for topics that we should uh, cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. Um, you can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is Geomob. Um, you can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. Um, you can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future Geomob event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.